Welcome to the Enrollment Edge, a podcast for college enrollment and marketing leaders. I'm your host, Jay Fedgie. The Enrollment Edge is sponsored by Enrollment Fuel, a trusted full-service student search and digital marketing partner to colleges and universities across the country. If you'd like to learn more about Enrollment Fuel services, or you have questions about today's podcast, we've included a link to our website in the show notes. You can also email us at edge at enrollmentfuel.com. We'd love to hear what you think. You can help us by subscribing to our podcast, sharing it with your friends, and leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. On this episode of the Enrollment Edge, I talked to William Mons, Associate Vice President and Dean of Traditional Admission at Anderson University in South Carolina. In a recent Octane article, William described how coaching basketball was a perfect lead into his life in admissions and enrollment. We'll talk about the valuable lessons he's taken from the basketball court to the admissions office over the past several years. And as a professional who is often considered a rising star in the business, his insight into developing a bonded team while building a competitive winning attitude will be worth adopting for your admissions teams as well. Welcome to the Enrollment Edge, William Mons. It's great having you today. Jay, thank you for uh, having me on. It's a pleasure and privilege uh, to be with you. Well, we're going to be talking about an article that you, well, we're going to dig deeper into an article. I'm showing this now. None of our listeners can see this because this is an audio podcast, so I'm showing it to you. But uh, the Octane article you wrote uh, caught my eye. It was just one of those things. Uh, I, I have been a, a coach for a number of different teams, mostly baseball. You're you're a basketball coach. Um, and you so eloquently in the article, the Octane article, um, described so many really interesting connections to your coach, your coaching days, uh, and your enrollment management days, your admissions days. And, and I just thought it was fascinating. Um, and I wanted to dig deeper into it. So folks can look at the article and read more about you, uh, but they can listen to this on the way to work too and 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 hear your sultry voice. So William, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good conversation. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh I'm gonna have to figure out a way to get a hard copy of that because the only one I've I've seen is online. So I, I will send it to you forthwith. Uh, <laughs> I will send you several as long as you send me one back that's signed uh, you know, with your, uh, with your well, mom, you know, mom doesn't believe it's doesn't believe it unless she sees a <laughs> physical copy, you know? Oh, sure. Sure. Well, well, she'll be able to listen to this too. So right, you, right. Remind, you send your link, the link to your mom and, and she's just like, yeah, he's famous. I'm like, gosh, oh, man, good stuff. So one of the things that struck me within the article um, that you have and that you wrote out in Octane was this mentality of the, these connecting points between a coach's perspective and an enrollment manager or even an admissions counselor. Um, it was surrounding much of team aspect. When you put these down, there were eight, I think. Eight yep. eight. Uh, did you put them in order in terms of uh, importance because the first one that you talked about is learn the importance of building a team. And I just thought, Oh, I wonder if that was what he felt was the most important one of, of those elements. So I actually, actually didn't. Um, I, um, I just, I listed them out. Um, and so there was not, I think it, I wrote it in, in, in a way that it would flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of build on each other. Yeah. Um, but not necessarily importance. Um, 
but it, it did turn out to 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 flow nicely um because if you don't do some of the ones that I stated earlier mm-hmm. then it's hard to to have as I mentioned in I think uh point eight that win the day uh, yeah. mentality and so I, I do think that they built build on each other nicely and that's and that's kind of what I was thinking um because that first one is is the importance of building that team uh, as an enrollment team and as an admissions team and as a, a basketball team, you've got some similar characteristics in terms of cohesive nature, uh, playing for one another, playing for something greater. Talk a bit about what you've seen as that team approach and in some ways, the challenges you're facing right now uh, in maintaining team, maintaining that roster. Yeah. Um, well, as far as building a team. Um, I kind of took that just from the team that we we have built uh, here at Anderson. You know, I talked about the different stages of life. Um, I think when I first got into admission, and I think there's a, a, a perception out there of what a, an admission counselor looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's this, you know, bubbly personality that's going to can talk to a, you know, talk to a barn um, mm-hmm. if need be. And and that makes a good admission counselor. And so. There is some of that. I think there's obviously room for that and, and definitely necessary. You know, you want that very hospitable, very personable uh, individual. But um, I've actually found that it's very important to have uh, individuals of different stages of life. I mean, there's a lot of peer to peer mentoring that goes on uh, in teams like that to where as the, you know, the, the leader, uh, I guess, doesn't have to everything doesn't have to come from me. Uh, it can come from other people on the team. And so. As I mentioned in the article, I was always watching my dad uh, build teams that I grew up on. And he was not always, he would always go pick. And then my brother and I'd be at the house waiting for him to come home to, you know, see who he, who he got on the team. Sure. And uh, I, I vividly remember he, he wasn't always going for the best player. You know, he was looking for that position player that we needed uh, to make the best team. And so, um, and I, I think that helps with, uh, you know, as you mentioned in a, the, the environment we are, uh, in now and and holding a a, a team consistent uh, is not the easiest thing, um, but when you can bring those pieces together, uh, it it does make a difference. Um, the other thing, and as far as um, you know, looking at a difference between coaching and admission, which this has been a hard thing uh, in admission, but I we're we've done a pretty good job of it uh, in coaching. One thing's one thing that gets you through sometimes, especially if you're kind of uh, lower level of the coaching ladder, mm-hmm. is um, you know you're you're believing in a bigger a bigger vision, sure. you know, for yourself. You you understand that you are going to have to climb the ladder, mm-hmm. and um, so that's probably a little bit of a difference. But we've tried to take a lot of those concepts um, to uh, build the team that we have here at Anderson. Yeah, but I'm going to deviate just a little bit because in your, in your building a team, you just taught, you, you triggered something that you just, you said uh, in me that as you have moved through, you've you've been at Anderson, you've been at the same school now for quite a while. So you moved from the the frontline travel warrior, right? Yep. Uh, through into now the the office uh, leader. You you are now that that uh, leader within the office. How has that been? It's a little bit like uh, that player that's that's been playing and suddenly becomes the assistant coach and now the coach. Have you found that uh, respect or authority or uh, energy has is is different in any way than somebody coming from the outside? Yeah, great question. Um, 
I, I think that comes with just a, a, a strong and healthy sense of humility yeah. and uh, serving your team members. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I took that approach even as a, a, a as a, a counselor, and mm-hmm. I take the same approach as as uh, now director and dean of admission. Yeah. Um, and I think that's helped me, um, you know, to to gain the respect of of the team uh, in that level. Um, but yeah, that that's always a tricky a tricky boundary. Um, I, I, I'll never forget. And uh, Jay, you and the enrollment fuel team. Uh, really helped us in some. I know we did some some different micro um, uh, things with you guys and in, mm-hmm. in enrollment fuel. But um, I had a, a, a one of my coworkers who we were on the same team together as counselors, and mm-hmm. uh, so got the job or got the promotion, I guess. And he came to my office and he goes, uh, "So where are we going from here?" Uh, he said, yeah. "You know, <clears throat> at the time we didn't have uh, tiers for counselors. It was just a straight." You know, everybody was admission counselor, no matter what the responsibility, no matter how long you've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just kind of a flat um, model, mm-hmm. you know, structure. And uh, so that got me thinking. And, you know, for a guy like him that, that came into my office, it was like, he he's he wants to go places. He wants to be in this. Yeah, right. uh, but we need to provide vision for him mm-hmm. of what the future in admission could be like. If he were, if we were to stick around. So, um, and it, you know, a lot of that support came from you and your team and, and making some recommendations. And so we, we've done, we've done that. And mm-hmm. so now we have some different levels. We've got, uh, you know, based on time and commitment, uh, potential growth opportunities. And um, so that's been very helpful uh, yeah. to, to stay consistent because we would not have had the same consistency um, and, and probably a lot of turnover if there was nothing for them to, uh, to strive for. Right, right. It's your it's your backup or your third string point guard coming in and saying, "Hey, I'd love to get more time, Coach. What do I got to do?" And yep. uh, there's got to be a place for them to go. Um, you know, you, you bring up a, a really interesting uh, point, and and I want to unpack this a, a bit more with you. One of this, one of the differences between uh, the the analogy that you've that you've created, uh, and I want to see how you apply this, you know, how you have applied it. And that is when you're a coach of a, of a college team, you generally have the same generation. And you, and you mentioned working with different generations and different types of people. Well, in an admissions office, you do work with different age groups and different generations and different cultures and, and a number of differences that, uh, that are a little bit different than a basketball team or a, a baseball team or what have you. How have you applied some of these lessons to work with, and, and you know, one of the things you talk about is know every individual uh, on your team and apply leadership principles to that individual. How do you do that? How have you found success in doing that with someone who's in their 50s or 60s versus someone who's in their early 20s? How have you, how have you applied those coaching uh, tactics to that, that age group? Yeah, man, I, I think it's a lot in how you present that to the team. Um, you know, we, we state some very obvious things when we're in staff meetings of, uh, of, of the gifts and, and um, uh, uh, the talents that everybody brings to the team. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, uh, well, one of the first things we do is we, we'll do a strengths finder test, uh, mm-hmm. aware of that. And, uh, so all, of course, all of us have different strengths. And so we look at that, we put them all on an Excel sheet and look at it and, uh, you can kind of see who has the same strengths, who has different strengths. Um, but all comes back to, but look at how this strength helps us to be better. Um, 
and to be the office that we are. And, you know, for some of my older counselors, I mean, we're meeting with families talking about money, you know, yeah. at some point we're going to have a financial conversation. And so it's very different than talking with a, a student who just graduated from college sure. uh, from someone who might even have a, a child who's already graduated from college sure. and can speak to the value of the education. And yeah, this uh, it's a cost, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also an investment. And so, and not that the the freshly graduated college student can't have those conversations. They do. Um, but it is, you know, both of them are coming from very different perspectives. And I just think that helps them as they're talking with families. Um, the other thing we talk about a lot is uh, just as as much as we all have strengths, uh, I, I always say, you know, we all have something mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, might not uh, might be a, a certain quality that somebody else doesn't like or um, it, and, and we all have things, different things that take us away from work. Sure. sure. Uh, your, your, your family guy might have a kid that's sick. And so they've mm-hmm. got to step out because they've got to go uh, deal with that. Um, you know, your single freshly graduated college student might have a concert that they really want to go to mm-hmm. um, on some evening. And so uh, that was supposed to be their night where they managed calls, but now they need to switch it. And so it's understanding it, it's, I'm going to treat you all equally but it may not seem fair sometimes as you are comparing what you have to be pulled away from work compared to somebody else. Yeah. But it's, we all have that, you know, depending on where we are in life. And so um, I think that's some of what I was getting at in, in how in every individual responds differently. And of course, you know, critical um, uh, conversations of, of how to do this differently and that everybody responds a little bit different. Um, you know, you can't just go yell at everybody. Everybody's not going to respond that way. Some people might break down and, um, you know, just turn into a ball of mush. Yeah. Uh, so you've got to learn, you got to learn your people to know how to have those conversations of, um, Hey, you're doing a great job, mm-hmm. but let's do this a little bit differently. And, you know, just, just knowing your, your team and and when and how you need those, how, how to have those conversations so it can end up in a positive result. Yeah, you you talked about the uh, the project that we had you and I and and uh, Pam. Yep. Uh, we we worked through this this process of uh, building a tiered system or building an incentivized system or building building a system that would keep people. And one of the things that was uh, so heartwarming to me is that I don't often hear that from from uh, leaders within a college that I'm going to work intentionally and and uh, with purpose and energy to keep my talent to keep people here as long as I can and uh, I, I hear too often uh, around schools it's like well it's just kind of how it happens turnover happens we're going to find somebody else and it's kind of this accepted sense of um kind of, folks going and going through the, the paces and then just letting them go. Yeah. I found it refreshing that you all were looking at ways to try to hang on to people. But let me let me ask you the the question. One of the one of the uh the I don't know if it's a knocks, but the characteristic of a younger generation versus mine is that my generation had maybe a higher pain tolerance. We just kind of stuck things out. And and behind it was loyalty. So if you if you kind of put loyalty in its little box here uh, millennial generation doesn't have the same kind. They're, they are much more mobile to say, well, this just isn't working out the way I wanted it to. So I'm going to try something different. 
those two concepts that you're working with are at odds. You're trying to hang on to people and and trying to build loyalty. And this generation kind of naturally is not quite as loyal as other generations have been. How have you seen that play out? Have you seen some of these things work? Have you seen some of them take uh, have some success in, in hanging on to your team and keeping that uh, keeping that talent in in house? Yeah, we have. Um I've, I've, Pam has let me know she's our vice president of enrollment. She's been here for 40 years. That's Jay. unbelievable. 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 And I, I, well, as I say that, I'll just say that's a big deal. And, and big like, deal. that's a, that's a big deal, even in relation to um, the consistency that we've had in admission, because yeah. I will, I will often bring that up. Even myself, it helps me to, to, to have this leader who has been here for as long as she has, uh, even for when things get tough for me. To yeah. say, it, you know, I feel a great sense of purpose here. And so I, I often think, man, think about how many times Pam has been through stuff, you know, the, the rodeo. She has she has the rodeo yeah. scars. Yeah, she yeah does. but she yeah. is. Uh, but she stuck with it because she believed in it and, and she's still here. And so, I mean, oftentimes I use her as an example, but um <sighs> There's, you know, we've had a couple of counselors here uh, for five years, uh, two, two for two for five, one for six, um, two going on th- uh, third and fourth year. Yeah. Uh, and I believe we've got um, just two that are uh, newer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've expanded our training. Um, so we try to do a good job of, of training counselors. I know that's that's been a huge thing, at least when I started a couple of years ago was, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get new counselors and then you throw them on the road. And before you know it, they're back and they haven't been trained, but they're kind of just learning as they go. Sure. Um, we've tried to not do it like that. It's not always possible, uh, but we have developed some of that. I've actually uh, one of the guys that's been here for a long time. He's our associate director and he serves our onboarding coordinator. Mm-hmm. So I've actually passed that to someone else who. I can continue to take a little bit higher view on some of that um, leadership and, and expectations, um, but having someone dedicated to walking some counselors through uh, some of the details. And yeah. uh, so it just, it, it, you got to have people that are available um, to help because if if you put it all on you as a leader, mm-hmm. I mean, anyone that's in the position of, of a, a director of admission, I mean, you're in meetings yeah. half the time. And so if you put that on yourself, then um, you're not going to be very uh, effective because you're just not around uh, enough to do it. And so we we changed some of that, you know, um, the uh, yeah, I mean, some of that's just been from experience of of leaders that have led me that haven't been available. And I remember how that felt. And um, and so you're always trying to to take some of your own experiences and, and um, make sure that you're looking out for your team. So they're not feeling some of those things. Um, but and, and just establishing vision. You know, um, uh, many of the the um, staff members that we've had that have stayed in it for a while, uh, they've they, they've felt led to be in higher education, mm-hmm. and so we've got people that are getting their masters, and a lot of them. I mean, we mm-hmm. a couple of them have, have gotten their masters, not just one or two, um, and so uh, that that always I feel like is a good fit, and and for those it is an easier pitch to. Uh, kind of be in it for the long, the long haul, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I, I reference in coaching. You know, if you're trying to be a coach, you do whatever it takes right. <laughs> for as long as it takes to stay in the game. Yeah. Um, and so it's a little bit harder to get that in admission, but when you have folks that are interested in higher education, um, you know, that pitch is, a, is much more uh, similar in, in, in just casting that vision and, and getting buy-in from the team. 
Right. Uh, there's there's a uh, uh, one of your, your comments, your your uh, sections that you talk about in your article is this figure it out. It can be done mentality. Um, that one was fascinating for me because uh, I've always had members of teams that uh, I just needed to point them in the right direction, put a dot on the horizon and say, go that way. And they would figure it out. Yep. They would they would just go, okay, just get out of my way. Give me the resources. I'll check back with you. Make sure we're still heading in the right direction. And and I love that mentality. But then there's also folks that say, you know what? If I don't have a daily checklist, I th- I always need to te- check back with you. Am I, am I, am I still doing it right? Um, what do I need to do next? What do we need to do next? They're, to me, there were more recipe type uh, employees. They needed the recipe. They always needed to check back with it. Um, how have you been able to harness uh, across the generations, across your team, this figure it out mentality, which really is about trust. It's about building uh, a, a responsibility within your team and an understanding of the vision and kind of part they play. But how have you been able to operationalize the figure it out, get it done mentality? Yeah, I smile because I love if I can, if you can find an employee that's got this mentality, it is, yeah. well, it's a dream. Yeah. Um, right. And it doesn't have to be, um, I, I take it to even simplify even more of, it, it's almost like any, you ask an employee to to do something. Um, and if their response is, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't think anyone's available to do that. If there's an, I don't think before the mm-hmm. comment, <laughs> you know, in my mind, I'm like, have we asked them again? Yeah. You know? Um, it, but it's, it's, it's the, it's the natural inclination just to go to the, I can't, or it can't, uh, versus, you know, my mind as a coach, uh, if I can't, well, first of all, in coaching, it, it was always, a <laughs> there was never a, um, I don't think, no, there was, you waited until you knew a hundred percent that something couldn't be done before you took it back to the head coach with bad news. Sure. Um, I mean, there, there've been times where I've figured things out that literally as I'm thinking it, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not saying it, but I'm thinking this can't be done. Mm. And, but you know, you, you take that and you go think about it for a little bit and you, and you try to figure it out. Um, and so, you know, always looking for employees and, and it's really hard to uh, find this in a, in an interview stage, but I'm always asking about their initiative um, are they proactive? Um, trying to figure out ways and questions to ask to figure to figure out to find out if an employee yeah. has, has this mentality or if it's uh, they always resort to the you know kind of what they knew and and last time they tried it didn't work and so mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah I, I would say coming from coaching and and I'm sure for any profession this is this is one of the harder things uh, especially when it's um, you know, a quick no, you know, it's, um, right. So, you know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to install that or instill that in a team. Um, but I will say, um, for team members that bring that, um, or or that it may be their first response. Mm -hmm. Um, I will often probe to, to try to get down to the, see, we haven't asked enough questions. Sure. Um, and, and try to help them see, What's the thought process when that question was asked? Um, Did you think about this? Did you think about that? And oftentimes they didn't. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so just, 
trying to work with um, work with all the, the the members of the team to um, let them see how it could have been done sure. uh, and, and how it can. So you, you kind of quickly recognize that when you do ask a question and that's a response. And so um, just be prepared to to help them see that there might be a way to get it done. Right. There's uh, in other index indices, uh, enrollment fuel uses one called the culture index. They call it autonomy. Uh, you, you just point in the direction, you give a framework and you say, there you go. Uh, we're going to check back with you and, and you don't need the daily checklist. And, and uh, oftentimes that is ingrained in people because it's, it's a basic function of, of job management, of life management, uh, of decision-making. It's, I, I need more or I need less, um, yep. oversight, supervision, uh, and, I think I think you you hit it right on the head. Finding those people that have the autonomy and have that drive to, I'm just going to go get this thing done, figure it out, uh, is is absolutely priceless in a team. The other thing that you you talk about here is that winning attitude, and I want to unpack that just a little bit more too. The winning attitude is, I think, I think there's always whenever I interviewed admissions counselors, uh, two things always came up. In the interview, one they thought travel was attractive. They thought it was exciting, uh, and they didn't know they were going to be they're going to be staying at the Red Roof Inn and <laughs> going to be uh, in the in the gymnasium or the VFW yeah. most of the time out you know on the road. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 not quite as as attractive as as they thought. The other right. thing was they always wanted to share the dream of their experience at the college. It was it was a wonderful experience for them. I, I never ever interviewed an admissions counselor that came in and said, "Man, I hated my time here, uh, but I do want to work here." They all loved their time and they wanted to share that experience and kind of build on that and, and hopefully create more experiences like that. One of the underpinnings in sales is that you will get no far more than you will get yes. So I'm not sure what Anderson's yield rate is, which is the win, win, win rate, but a yield rate is under 30%, even at the great schools, 20%, 25%. So that means that you're losing that student 70, 75, 80% of the time. Oh my gosh. Okay. So there's a lot of folks that go into this, you know, including me early on, it was like, wait a minute, how do you not want to come to my college this is the greatest place in the world. Didn't you, didn't you listen to me? And somebody else got them. And that's, it is, it is energy draining. How do you instill energy? How do we infuse energy in your team when I don't know what your, your yield rate is, but let's say it's 25%. If you're 25% yield rate it means it's 75% not <laughs> lose rate. How do you keep those folks motivated to, to continue and press on? Yeah. Um, well, you know, first of all, you, you definitely want people who want to win right, um, right. because it is, I mean, we are essentially um, um, selling our school and we, we want to um, recruit for sure. Those students that want to be here mm-hmm. uh, and we want to win, win um, uh, students to your institution. Um, so it, you know the last the last topic that I um, speak on is uh, or number eight is win win every day and um, that's something that even in coaching uh, I tried to instill 
uh, when I was at a smaller institution coaching, we would go play uh, these big division ones. Okay. An, an exhibition game, we get paid money to, to go play them. And so it was essentially a fundraiser, but it was also uh, more than likely going to be a beatdown down uh, mm-hmm. when, we, when we went to that school. Um, but in college basketball, uh, you have um, uh, the, 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 all the, all the different timeouts. Okay. Sure. Um, and so every, every uh, four minute mark uh, there's a media timeout. Mm-hmm. And so we were all about, anytime we went and played those games, uh, we would just, let's take the score of this media timeout and we would see how we did. Sure. And then we'd go to the next, you know, we'd play the net to the next media timeout and we wouldn't look at the, the total score. Okay. Now we did, but you know, uh, in our timeouts, we would say, okay, this is what we did in that, in that span uh, of the game. Mm-hmm. And so we would literally break it down into how many, how many media timeouts can we win? Can we win any? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and let's find the pros and cons of that media timeout. And so, yeah. You know, you essentially are breaking this down to where you're you're finding wins because you're not going to win every single student. You're just not, as you said. Yield rates are what they are. Um, ours is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Happy with it, but it's uh, from a from a um, from it um, impacting your counselors. It's going to happen. Sure. And uh, and so, anyways, this we, we brought this win every day mentality to mm-hmm. an admission team, which might sound crazy, uh, but even you know, all of our counselors have, have taken, taken this to heart. Um, and it really started, uh, with, with call initiatives. Uh, we were trying to figure out, you know, what's every, every institution, or at least I, I, we still make calls. I don't know what others do, but we do. Um, because I think anytime it may take you a little while to get a student on the phone, but if you can get a student on the phone and start to build that relationship and connections Mm -hmm. next time, they will answer. Um, at least that's what I've found. And so, um, we, but we were trying to figure out how can we um, make realistic goals um, for our call initiatives? Because I was on teams where there was a call limit, but you had to have so many completed calls. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I just thought that's just so unrealistic. I have no control over that. We're, right. we're creating this thing where uh, the counselor is going to feel defeated because they can't control if somebody picks up. Sure. Uh, and so we've lessened that amount and we've actually made it to where even if you leave a message, it counts because mm-hmm. I think any type of interaction helps. And um, but what we've done and what we did uh, was we would have a call goal and uh, we started out where, you know, first two months may be your own personal call goals. And so everybody on the team is trying to meet personal call goals. Um, and then we actually moved it to team goals. And so for three months uh, during travel season, we were um uh, or, or whatever season we were in, we were all trying to to meet a team goal. Maybe that's eighty calls a day, maybe a hundred. Um, and and so we we found those wins. Yeah. And you know, my opinion, if you can if you can win the win every day and and win and and uh, complete the the short term goals, most of the time those long term goals are going to take care of themselves. Um, what that also did was it created celebration moments for our team. Right. You know, if you're if you're waiting to the very end of the year to either celebrate or not celebrate, mm-hmm. it's not very motivating. You it's know, tough. And uh, so, anyways, I may have taken that further than you uh, than you wanted, but that's just um, you know that's kind of how we've looked at winning is do what we can do for today. Yeah. And yes, we have we have annual goals, we have all of that, um, but that is not our focus. We focus on what we can do to win that day. 
Um, and throughout time, we've kind of come up with other goals that we have for the day, not just with calls, but with other things. So it's it's been um, it's been very positive, uh, and the team has has bought into that. That's exactly where I was hoping you were going to go with it because uh, it, it in my experience, I was a youth baseball coach, and uh, I had an zero and twenty one baseball team. I was the head coach of an zero and twenty one ten uh, year old baseball team. And uh, every, all the coaches, we'd get together and we would talk about winning the at bat and yep. winning, winning the out and winning the yep. inning. And at the end of it, we knew we were in the wrong league. We were, we were put up too, you know, too high in the age group and we were way out of our, our, our element. But what the end goal was, wasn't about the wins and loss record. It was about who in this team can we get to come back as an 11 year old to play on the team, which meant that. Uh, they enjoyed the year before. So right, uh, right. it was a, b- a lot about treats and celebrating. I mean, my gosh, 10 year olds, they, uh, they're, if the one motivation of theirs is ice cream, I don't know, you know, what's greater than ice cream, but, but that was doesn't important. change much when you get older. It doesn't, does it? Jeans, no. day, <laughs> jeans day, pizza and ice cream kind of speak to uh, everybody <laughs> throughout Listen, life, right? The, the times that I'll, I'll do, I'll go do a Starbucks order for the team, you know, just yeah. random those, those, and that's not really for anything other than just, Hey, appreciate you guys, kind of things, but those those things go a long way. They do, and 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 uh, celebrating the small wins. I think I, I love the mentality. If if you're continuing to focus on the small wins, the big wins will come. You know, if you're if you're if you're wanting to win the the inning or the outs or the at bats or the pitches or whatever that would be, eventually, when you're focusing on those things, the big wins will come. I love. I love that win every day category you've you've wrote about, but the small wins, the micro wins, that's that's where teams live and celebrating yeah. them. I love that too. Yeah, and I, I you know, I, I think I talked about John Wooden in that in that section. And um, as a coach, I always, you know, what what he did was just unbelievable. You know, the championships that he won. Of course, he had uh, Kareem and he had Bill Walton, uh, which in that time you that's pretty uh, good. <laughs> you, you pretty much stayed all four years. It wasn't this leaving early. Yeah. And um, but even him, you know, and, and he won so many consecutive games or so many records that he has. Um, but it talks about in, in many of his books that he didn't he didn't talk about the wins. You know, sure. he he talked about those um those little things that you can control every day. Yeah. So, hey, William, I'm going to give you one last uh, moment as a coach. You, you have the, everybody's coming out of timeouts uh, and, and you have one last thing to say to your team. What is that thing that you say to your team to uh, to get them to the end of the end of the game or the end of the quarter or into the half? What is that thing that you tell them uh, mm-hmm. and that other other coaches out there would like to would like to hear? Yeah, my mind immediately went to showing appreciation. Um, you know, I think every team needs to know that they're appreciated and I'm probably the worst at that. Mm. And so, uh, luckily that might help me a little bit when it does get towards the end that they may not have heard it as much. And so, um, to hear how much I appreciate my team and the hard work that they're doing, um, you know, that, that goes a long way. Um, and that's hard too, because, you know, I've, I work with, uh, as I said, lots of different individuals and some of them need it more than they, more than others, uh, that those little tokens of, uh, whether it's verbal appreciation or, you know, a candy bar at this time or whatever, just to show, mm-hmm. Hey, I appreciate you. You're doing a great job. Um, but that would, 
hopefully be, um, you know, the resounding last message. If I were to pick anything was, um, just a sense of appreciation. Uh, and that we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, uh, we talk about, uh, team within teams on our admission squad and, um, you know, I often associate myself with a part of our, our visit and event team. And, and we're just trying to create this experience that hopefully the counselors, uh, uh, can take as as softball pitches and and go uh, mm-hmm. talk to families and and really secure uh, the commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, the the and you know Jay, we always anytime I we've got a group thread, group text thread, and um, I don't know if I've ever addressed the unit in a, in any other word other than team. You know, oftentimes mm-hmm. my text will start team. Period. Here's what's going on today, or here's what you need to know. And so um, it always just comes back to that. One other thing, um, and man, I, you know, as I talk to you about this, I just, I'm so thankful for my experience in coaching uh, because honestly, I don't know if I'd have known some of these things without coming out of that. I mean, I really, I really don't as I, as I think more about it, but uh, I worked for a coach um, here at Anderson for five years as an assistant. And uh, before every practice, he would write up an offensive emphasis on the board and a defensive emphasis on the board. Um, and it, it was just short little, uh, you know, uh, short little phrases mm-hmm. um, like, um, I don't know, box out or mm-hmm. get in a stance or any, any, just those types of things. And so then uh, when, when the whistle blew and everybody huddled up to the, at the beginning of practice, um, he would call out a player and they had to know verbatim the offensive emphasis, the defensive emphasis. Mm-hmm. He actually did a quote uh, as well. And if you didn't know it, then you had to run. <laughs> but what I found, what I found that did was um, our head coach was able to start in instilling in their minds the same verbiage and communication that he would use. And then the players started to use it. Sure. And so all of a sudden everybody was speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel like I would say I, I see a lot of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. on our team of, um, you know, now when somebody texts the group, you'll see them say team, da, 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 you know? So, um, it, it, it's just, uh, really been a, a joy to kind of, um, to be here and in this, in this setting. And, um, I, I think I've referenced my most favorite team I've ever coached. Yeah. Um, and it's a little bit different. I'm coaching professionals now. So mm-hmm. most of them <laughs> want yeah. to better themselves, um, and so, uh, whereas your, your 17, 18, 19 year olds sometimes don't know what they want. Um, but, um, yeah, to, to make sure that your team knows that they, that you appreciate them, you love them and those kinds of things. That's uh, awesome. I, I have been talking to William Montz, uh, coach turned, uh, enrollment leader at Anderson university in South Carolina. William, it's been a, it's been a great, we're run out of time already. And I appreciate you. I just want to say, if I get to say one more thing, I get to appreciate you, man. Uh, I appreciate your time today and your insights and your experience and sharing that with our, our audience. I really appreciate you today. Absolutely. Jay. Thank you so much for having me on. And, uh, we appreciate you and your team as well. All right. Thanks. You've been listening to the enrollment edge. Please join me again when we'll dive into yet another hot topic for college enrollment and marketing leaders. The Enrollment Edge is sponsored by Enrollment Fuel, a full-service student search and marketing company. Student recruitment is always changing. Maybe your college can use a trusted partner. I'm your host, Jay Feggie. Thanks for listening in.